What do you want for Christmas? Uh, a new train. I want painting stuff. Blocks of Lego. Hoverboard. I want walkie-talkies. I want dolls. A robot dinosaur. I want a camera. And your cars. Cyclone helmet. Squirrel. I want rollerblades. Um, guys, for pet pet. A visit to see Jefferson. Place for the Vikings. Oh! I need a gun backpack. <laughs> a bracelet kit. A Barbie dream house. Chandelier. From my room. A bracelet kit. Don't want a bracelet kit? Yeah. I just want to give thanks to God for giving me this family and giving me this life to spend time in this world. That last kid's going to be the senior pastor here at Hope someday, I'm convinced. There's, there's no doubt about it. All the kids had great answers. Those are kids here from Hope who uh, were interviewed by our video crew and asked the simple question, what do you want for Christmas? So I'm going to ask you, what do you want for Christmas? On a deeper level, peel back some layers and, and take a closer look with me today on this Christmas Eve. When I was a kid, I, I, I felt a little bit that, you know, the joy of this little girl on the next screen when you're opening your presents. My brothers and I would wake up early, tear downstairs, try to make more noise to wake our parents up and, and get the show on the road and open up the, the Tyco race set, slot racing set with the Indy 500 kind of thing with it. And, and then you didn't realize when you're seven that when you get that gift you always wanted, you're going to spend the rest of Christmas Day putting it together, and then you're going to spend the rest of the next day trying to adjust it so the cars don't go flying off the track, and then the next day you're going to put it away and never use it again because you're so sick of it. About five or six years later, I think it was 12 or 13, video games were becoming kind of cool, you know, at-home video games, and I put on the top of my list an Atari Super Pong. Anybody old enough to remember Atari Super Pong? A few? Oh, man. That was the bomb. I mean, remember you could play tennis, which looked a whole lot like hockey, which looked a whole lot like every other game you played on that, and it was just like two little lines, and then a ball, a tennis ball that would bounce back and forth, and when you and your friend got it just right, which was always the goal, you get it going really fast, back and forth, and then you were bored and you put it on the shelf and you waited for something else to come along. Like now, I guess it's what, Nintendo Switch OLED? Like HD wasn't good enough, we gotta go OLED now with Nintendo Switch to play our video games. That's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome if you're getting that. Nothing wrong with presents. I'm not the preacher who's gonna stand up here and say, Christmas isn't presents and it's not di Christmas dinner with family and it's not decorations and it's not cards and it's not figgy pudding. It's all that stuff. But it's especially Jesus. There's a little girl who made her Christmas list and on that list, I put an arrow to highlight the part I thought was the funniest. <laughs> 
$4,000 in cold hard cash. I don't know if that's for a parent or Santa or who, but just fork over the cash, people. Put it in a box and I'll feed the rabbit, apparently, which is the line up above that. And it'll all be good. I don't know what your budget is for your kids. Like, $4,000 seems a little excessive, you know, per kid. There are the presents, and they're great. And, and they're all the, 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 the things that surround the celebration of Christmas. But will this be the year when perhaps you learn what the Grinch learned as Dr. Seuss wrote this classic tale portrayed by Jim Carrey in the clip that you saw at the beginning of the service? where he finally comes to the realization after he's tried to cancel Christmas for Whoville. He, he takes Cindy Lou's presents and everybody else's presents, posing as Santa, pretending to be Santa, steals all the presents, puts them in a sleigh up by where he lives, pushes them to the edge of the cliff. He's going to push all the toys, all the presents, everything that the Whoville people had bought for each other for Christmas. He's going to push it all over the edge and Christmas would be canceled because you can't have Christmas without presents under the tree. The Grinch knew it. He was wrong. Because just as he's about to cancel Christmas and push all those presents over the ledge, he hears the most astounding music coming from Whoville. It's all the who's in Whoville singing their Christmas carols, giving praise to God for the real gift of Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? Those of you who are regulars at Hope know that I brought this box out at the beginning of the season of Advent, which is a four-week season that leads up to Christmas. And I said, inside this box, God has a gift for us. And I'm going to open it up on Christmas Eve. So even if you weren't there four weeks ago, you get a gift. I know. I feel like a Ginsu knife salesman for a second there. But wait, there's more. You also get the Ginsu knives and the Ronco thingamajigger from KTEL. Anyway, you probably already know what the gift is going to be. Can you zoom in on that? I know. Wow. Isn't that great? I could do this all day. I like to tease production staff. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, and there, there's one bonus gift in here. It's the written word of God. It's the Holy Bible. Together with a reading list for this year here at Hope, because we're calling 2023 the whole Holy Bible in a year. That's our theme. We want to invite you, if it's your first time or if it's your 21st time, to read through the whole Bible. We even have a slacker track called Just Read the New Testament, if that's all you can handle, and it's much shorter. And it'll do. It, it'll be great. And each weekend, to make it easy for you, we're going to preach on what we read together as a church. And we're going to do weekly live podcasts, Wednesdays at 12 noon. We're going to have daily devotionals that'll be on our website. We're going to have devotionals for your families. We're going to have stuff for the kids, all ages. We're going to have classes, Bible studies, places for you to get to know this book, the Holy Bible, the written Word of God, so you can get to know the incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ. Martin Luther who we take our name after, is a Lutheran Church of Hope. He's the Roman Catholic priest and uh, doctor of scripture and theology who started the whole Protestant Reformation. Luther famously once wrote that the Bible is like the manger that holds the Christ child. And if it doesn't hold the Christ child, then it's just a history book or a book of morals. Do this, don't do that. This is right, this is wrong. But Luther rightly 
reminds us that it's so much more than that. This is a book that reveals a better way, a deeper truth, and a more abundant life. This is the book that reveals the light of God's love for the whole world, a world that's, that's, that's overwhelmed at times by the darkness that surrounds us. Winter's darkness creeps in. Gray days give way to pitch black nights. And cynicism wells up inside of us and criticism, a critical spirit where, where we chase after all the things that the world tells us we have to get in order to be full. But then even when we get them, even when we achieve them, success, popularity, fame, fortune, all that stuff, find somebody who's got that stuff and they'll tell you, yeah, it's great, it's good to get that goal, but does it last or is it like Super Pong by Atari? A gift you're really excited about for a while, but it isn't. It isn't enough. So we chase after things that aren't enough. Does that make sense? No wonder the darkness settles in. No wonder it's so hard for us. God's got a better gift for you. What do you really want for Christmas? This written word, Luther says, leads to the incarnate word, who is Jesus Christ. And that's the God you're going to want to get to know. That's the gift. It's his light. And with this light... The Bible says the written word of God that points us to the incarnate word of God, a God who we can get to know so that we don't just have to have a faith in some distant supreme being who's got no personality, who's got no character, who who isn't somebody we can relate to. This God became one of us. That's what incarnation means. The The infinite became finite. The one who is holy became human. It's quite a move. It's the ultimate power move. And it comes with the love of heaven, the light of God's love breaking through the darkness, your darkness, my darkness for us. What do you really want for Christmas? Because what's available to you, it would be a tragedy if this gift stayed wrapped underneath a metaphorical Christmas tree for you again this year. If you kept saying, well, in order to have Christmas, in order to have life, These are the boxes we have to check. These are the things that have to happen. Until all these boxes are checked and everything gets in order, we're not going to have any joy. But this gift comes with a joy that's untouchable. What would you pay for that? A joy that isn't touched by whether or not you're having a good Christmas or kind of a subpar Christmas. A joy that doesn't depend on whether this is a good month or a bad month, a good year or a bad year, a good season of life even, or a bad season of life. What if you had that kind of a joy? Because that's what God offers through his light. What if you had what the Bible calls a peace that passes all human understanding, that guards our hearts and minds? What if you had a peace that doesn't mean an absence of chaos, it means even though there is chaos, even though there is darkness, yet I still have this peace. That's what God is providing. That's what he has for us. Look deeper. Look deeper beyond the sentimental feelings of of a good Christmas. And let this be a truly merry Christmas for you this year. A Christmas where you... Open your heart and mind and soul to the light of God's love. The gift comes wrapped, Luke chapter 2 says, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The, the gift, the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. 
It's a gift he gives you. He gives me. He gave us this gift. That's what Christmas is all about. So says Linus to his friend Charlie Brown. But take a closer look at this story. Charles Schultz wrote the Peanuts, Peanuts comic strip, and it was the most famous comic strip in the world by far in the 60s and 70s and 80s. It was on a surface just a cartoon about some eight-year-old kids, Charlie Brown, Linus, uh, uh, Lucy, the whole gang, and my personal favorite, the cute blonde girl, Sally. And in this Christmas special that Charles Schultz wrote, because ABC, this television network, had a half-hour time slot that was open. I think it was ABC. And they asked him, they said, can you fill that 30-minute that time slot for us? This is back in the day where if you didn't see the Christmas special when it was broadcast on live TV, no DVRs, no YouTube, no recording, you had to wait a year to see it again. And if you missed the Charlie Brown Christmas special when I was a kid, it was a major loss. It didn't even feel like Christmas, some people would say. Charles Schultz wrote the Christmas special on a couple of different levels. One is the cartoon for kids. But if you look, just peel back one layer and you'll see it. He writes it on the deepest of all levels for people who are seeking and searching and looking for light in the midst of the darkness. I mean, in order to say that we need to look for the light, I suppose first we have to admit the darkness. And so Charles Schultz writes the character of Charlie Brown as a guy who's living in darkness. He, he's moping around saying, I just don't have that Christmas feeling. I just don't have the joy of Christmas. Maybe you can relate. Which is maybe why this show became so popular, it became can't miss TV for decades. You can still watch it on probably YouTube or Apple TV. It's worth your half hour. So Charlie Brown is filled with anxiety, ridden with it. He um, decides to get help. And so he goes to a psychiatrist. Her name is Lucy. She's eight years old too. And she's got a booth. And it says the psychiatrist is in. And it costs five cents for a session. So come and, and lay all your grief upon me. And I'll, and I'll help you and advise you. I read an article just a couple of weeks ago that says two out of every three Americans struggles with anxiety on a regular basis. Every time I say that at every service, it gets really quiet. Because that's where we're living, isn't it? It now means, the, this is way up from three years ago, by the way, when it was about 25%. Huh. We're living in a dark world. We're living in a world where we get hit and attacked from all sorts of different angles. And then sometimes it's not even, it's not like, for some it's panic attacks. For others it's just this numbness. We lost the spring in our step. We lost the gleam in our eyes. We lost the joy that we used to have most of the time. We lost that feeling of, of peace that was once upon a time. In order to see our need for the light, I guess we have to admit the darkness. Two out of three of the people I'm preaching to right now, whatever campus or local site or you're tuning in online from wherever you are, two out of the three Americans struggle with serious levels of anxiety on a regular basis. Huh. So here comes Charlie Brown, who's just like two-thirds of us. And he goes for help. And Lucy gives him some really good advice. 
She says, you know, you need to get more involved in the community. You need, you need to get out of your head. I hereby declare that you're going to be in charge of the Christmas pageant at school. How Lucy had the authority to grant him that directorship role, I do not know. But Charlie Brown's starting to get a little excited. He's got the spring in his step again, and he takes it very seriously. And he gathers all of his friends and his dog Snoopy in their rehearsal on stage at the school for the, for the school Christmas play. And then everything starts to fall apart. Some of the kids say, hey, Charlie Brown, we need a Christmas tree. And so he and his friend Linus go out and get a Christmas tree that looks something like this. He brings it back, and all the kids, even his dog, point at him and mock him and call him a blockhead. You're just, you're just, you're just so bad, Charlie Brown. What, what's wrong with you, Charlie Brown? You can't even get a decent Christmas tree for our Christmas play at school. Charlie Brown has had it. Nothing is working. And he laments, almost like the writers of the Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible. How come, God? How long? What happened to my joy? What, what happened to the peace? What, what happened to the hope that I used to have? What happened to the light? What, what happened to this? And the way he says it is he says, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And then his friend Linus comes to the rescue. And he gets up and, while well, he preaches, while cute blonde Sally looks on from over on the side, filled with love for this preacher. <laughs> and that's when everything changes. <laughs> I'm telling you, this isn't just a cartoon. Is it? This is the story of what Christmas is all about. And in order for Charles Schultz to tell it through Linus, the preacher, he has Linus open up this book, the written word of God that points to the incarnate word of God that changes everything for Charlie Brown and anybody whose heart is open to it, including yours, right here and right now. Make no mistake about it, the preacher has issues. Every preacher has issues. Linus is eight years old and he's still carrying a security blanket wherever he goes. It's not the preacher. It's the message. It's the word of God, not the word of us. We're here as blind beggars telling other blind beggars where to get the really good food. It isn't in our programs and our style and the way we do it. It's in the Jesus we're here to point you to. You know, part of the reason there's so much darkness in the world today is the church has slid away from the truth of Scripture. We spend more time trying to get Jesus to sound like us instead of remembering that the goal of Christianity is to get us to sound more like Jesus and to get in line with him and his better way and deeper truth and more abundant life. This is a flawed church, but I can assure you that that's all we care about. And everything we do is in an effort to get your attention so that we can point you to him. So that you can get to know this light that comes down from heaven for you to change everything for you, just like he did for Charlie Brown through the imagination of Charles Schultz. Take a look. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. 
Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So it is. Charles Schultz, the creator of this Christmas special, was interviewed, and he said, did you notice the blanket? Every comic strip, every scene that Linus is in, he's holding onto the blanket, except for that one. As soon as the angel says to the shepherds, fear not, go ahead, YouTube it, go home and check it out again. For the first time ever, Linus drops his blanket to the ground, and he's free. He's free. For the first time ever, he's free because he hears the word of God and it gets into his heart and it connects him to the God who is incarnate. John's gospel says in the beginning was the word, this written word of God, yes, but also something more because the next verse goes on to say, and this word was the light and the life for all people. And then it puts a pronoun on this word. He's a person. It's a he in this case. He was the light and the life of all people. And his light, the light that he is, shines into the darkness and the darkness can't extinguish it. But by the time we get to John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, and he, this word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And he's full of grace and truth. It's Jesus Christ. He's the better way, the deeper truth, and the more abundant life for us. And it's precisely the light that we need because winter's darkness has crept into our world and individually on top of that into a lot of your lives. Is it any wonder that two-thirds of us deal with anxiety on a regular basis? What if our Christmas cards were honest? Instead of, you know, things that say how great everybody's doing in perfect pictures, it would look more like that. Well, it's been a year. There's a lot more chaos and and suffering and trials and tribulations than there is perfection. What is it about those perfect vacation photos and the perfect vacation spot? Well, three seconds before or three seconds after, it's probably totally chaos if your family's at all like mine. Listen, I'm not saying I want to get Christmas cards from you that are total chaos, which is like the stuff you should be saying to Lucy, the psychiatrist. I'm just saying, and I like getting the highlights. Tell me all the highlights. I do want to know about the joys in your life. I do, but it's been a year, it's been three years, almost three years now, just a few months short of three years since COVID hit, three years, and now doctors are saying it's a tridemic currently, 
It's COVID, which still hangs on. My brother just got COVID for the first time, and so did his wife. It's RSV, which is filling up hospitals, and it's, it's the flu. The seasonal flu comes just right on time. But it's not just the darkness of physical struggles and our, our worries or fear about, about viruses floating around. It's the fear of what's happening in the news. It's, 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 it's wars and rumors of wars, the Bible calls them. And not just just wars, but especially the unjust wars, where ruthless dictators rise up and invade sovereign nations because, well, I don't know, because they feel like it, because they have issues. Just before we get a little too self-righteous about that, we can look to our own city streets right here in Des Moines where there's violence and murders. And it happens right here at home. And then there's the divisions and the lack of mercy and grace that we have for one another and the way the world teaches us that in so many different ways and how we would rather dismiss people who disagree with us now instead of saying, well, we can still be friends, but we just respectfully disagree on this really important issue. I'm not saying we shouldn't have our debates, we shouldn't have our conversations about these really important things, but to divide families, divide neighborhoods, Divide small group Bible studies and churches and, and any other grouping of people just because you disagree on a social issue of our day or a political issue of our day? Well, we can't be friends anymore? Does that sound like God or his enemy? Oh, the darkness is real. And it's profoundly deep. And it leads to us getting what we've got. On top of all that, then there's the weather. I don't know if you noticed, it's been kind of cold. And meteorologists, many of them attend our church, and I love them dearly, and they help warn our world about everything that's happening and the weather that's coming. They came up with this term called, it's not just the local ones, it's someone somewhere said, what we experienced this week is a bomb cyclone. Could there be a more ominous, scary phrase for what just happened? It wasn't just like cold. It was a bomb cyclone. Did you know what a derecho was five years ago? I mean, what kind of a world is this? How dark is it going to get? I was out shoveling the snow in our driveway the other morning, and it's about 500 below or whatever it was. And I'm shoveling, and I see one of the neighbors, and we give the neighbor shoveling wave, you know, that you give. Like, yeah, you know, we're in this together. And as soon as we're done, the wind's going to blow a drift right over the top of it, and it's going to be packed hard, and you're not going to be able to get that out, and you can't win. It was so cold, we'd stop a couple of times and just talk and try to, you know, warm up our fingers so we don't get frostbite. Finally, it got so cold, I said, why don't you come inside? I think we got some hot chocolate. We'll warm up in there, and then we'll come out here and finish the job. We went inside. Sally says, oh, my goodness, look at you guys. I got to take your picture, and here it is. She took it. I'll put it up on the screen. Man, it was cold. I mean, it was, I don't know which one I'm supposed to be, but it, it was really cold. It's dark out there. It's dark in here sometimes. Because it all creeps in, and if we aren't careful, and if we just look at Jesus as sort of a nice little sentimental kind of religious thing, it's going to get even darker. But what if you let God be God? What if you let him out of the box? What if you really got to know Jesus in the next year, between this Christmas and next Christmas? 
What if you dove into this word so you could truly get to know the life-giving light, the word that is the life and the light of all people? And this light, this Jesus, shines into the darkness and the darkness can't extinguish it. Let's trace the way light is used in the Bible. Oh, I wish I had time. We'll, we'll hit it throughout the next year. But let me just hit you with some highlights as we, as, as we move through this service. Light shows up right in the first three verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. First words out of God's mouth are all about light. And there's light for the darkness. And it was good, God says. Fast forward all the way to the end of the Bible. The last stories in the book of Revelation, which is a vision of what eternal life in heaven will look like, a dream. And in this vision, the, the dream is revealed. That's where the word revelation comes from. It's a revealing. In this revealing of God to us, God tells us that in heaven, there's going to be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears, and no more death. And no more darkness. Because Jesus Christ will be there. And we won't have any need, the revelation says, of sun or moon or stars. Whether they're there or not as an extra bonus is fine, but they're not essential anymore because we've got the light of Jesus Christ, which is more illumination than we'll ever need. We're talking about serious power here. We're talking about the power to bring creation into existence through a, through a word. And then that word comes to you through the person of Jesus Christ. That light, let there be light. Fast forward a long time from the beginning of creation, but still seven centuries before Jesus is born. God's people are in exile. The Babylonian Empire has taken them over, removed them from their homes in Israel, and forced them to live in places they don't want to live. And God's people cry out, it's so dark. How long does it have to be like this? When will you heal us? When will you redeem us? When will you make justice happen? Maybe you can relate. And God sends a prophet, Isaiah, to say, here's the statement of hope. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. A few verses later, God puts a name on this light. And he says, this light's name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his government, there will be no end. It's eternal. And this light is for you. Fast forward seven centuries later and now we're just a few weeks before Jesus is born and God sends up another prophet Zechariah the father of John the Baptist who proclaims knowing that the Messiah is coming the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who live in darkness and to guide us on the path of peace that seems so elusive Turn now just one page from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 2 in the story Linus read in the Charlie Brown Christmas special in Luke chapter 2. And you hear Luke tell the story, you read this story about the angels, the warriors from heaven, the messengers from heaven coming down from heaven with this light. And when they show up for the shepherds, the shepherds are freaking out. So the angels say, fear not. And Linus drops his blanket. Fear not. For I bring you good tidings, glad tidings that will bring great joy to all the people. But right before that it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. The Greek word for this is perilampson. That's what Luke was written in originally. It was written in Greek. And in that Greek the word is for shone around. Translated in English as shone around is perilampson. And I'm telling you this because I don't think shone around is enough to really get you to capture the essence of what Luke 2 is saying here. So oh, it's Greek to me. 
You don't know what peri Lampson means? It's pretty simple. Peri's like a periscope. It's a 360-degree thing. You know, you're on a submarine, and periscope goes up, and you can look all the way around, every direction, left, right, forward, back, up, down, inside, out. It's a periscope. Only it's peri Lampson. It's a peri-lamp. It's the light of Jesus Christ, and it shoots out in every direction, which is a... Specifically, I just want to make this connection, build this bridge for those of you who are skeptics or you call yourself agnostic or atheist. First of all, we love you. We're so glad you're here. Bring your questions, bring your doubts. We're not mad at you. You come. You come and bring all of your concerns, your, your, your reasons that you don't believe. You're in a safe space to do that. But here's the thing about a peri lamp. It's coming for you. It isn't just for the religion. It's not a single light that just shines on a certain person, you know, a a certain group of people, a certain denomination of Christians, a certain religion, uh, certain people who have a certain worldview. It's left, it's right, it's forward, it's backwards, it's up, it's down, it's a perilamp. And if you minimize the gospel to anything less than that, that's no longer biblical Christianity. This gift of this light is open for anybody who wants to open the gift of Jesus Christ and receive his light. The uniqueness of Jesus Christ is his universality. He is God's gift to all people, not just a chosen group. That becomes very clear as we read through the rest of the New Testament. That at the beginning in the Old Testament, God chooses a nation, but out of that nation, it expands out to all nations. Who were the first people invited to show up to worship Jesus? Shepherds, not exactly the most religious people in the world. They had a reputation for being corrupt thieves. And then it's foreigners. Wise men or magi from the east who are certainly not descendants of Abraham and Sarah. And they're invited to come. It's not just the religious who are invited to this Jesus party. It's the whole world. It's a peri lamp. Don't miss that. It shoots out in every direction. And this light, you can't hide from it. It's for you. It reveals truth. This life brings light to everyone. This light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can't extinguish it. And so Charlie Brown and the Grinch, and I would suppose Ebenezer Scrooge and all the other Christmas classics where people have a transformation, but more importantly, biblically, for Mary, for Joseph, for the shepherds, for the magi, for the wise men, for a prophet or a prophetess like Simeon and Anna who meet this baby Jesus as his parents bring him to a temple in Jerusalem according to their religious custom. And Simeon says, this is the one. He's the light that shines to all nations. It's transformational. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth, the angels sing. And the shepherds are so inspired right after that They go out and tell everybody. They can't keep it to themselves. Does that sound like your brand of Christianity? Because that's what happens when you open the gift. It overwhelms you with light. And then you're like, how dare I keep this to myself? If I love my friends and I know how transformational this light is, I want them to have it. It's like encouraging somebody to go to a restaurant where you found some really good food. Why would you keep that good news to yourself? The shepherds don't. They've been completely transformed. That's what this story does if you truly open the gift. And if it hasn't transformed you yet, I've got really good news for you. 
It can. It's really not that hard. Open your heart, open your mind, dive into the written word so you can get to know the incarnate word, so that you can get to know the God who created you and made you and wants to be in a relationship with you for the rest of your eternal life, which is forever. The shepherds are blown away. Simeon and Anna are blown away. He's a light to reveal God to the nations. The magi, the, the foreigners from the east, are blown away. They follow the star to find Jesus. My wife and I were blown away when we went to Bethlehem 10 years ago. It's part of a tour. It was amazing. There was one guy in our tour bus from Australia. He was an agnostic, and he found out I was a pastor, and we had great conversation. I mean, he's super funny. I like funny people. If they're agnostic, I still like them because they're still funny. And I still laugh at their jokes. And he's like, I don't know why you believe this stuff. I don't know. I'm just here to, you know, do it. It's just, I check it off my list of all the continents and places I'm traveling. And then toward the end of our tour, he's sitting on the bus across the aisle from me and he's starting to weep. And I said, What's up? You okay? And he says, um, <laughs> I just realized these places are real. Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Nazareth where Jesus grew up and Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee and all the other places. These are not like made up fictional places. These places exist. It was really rocking him. I hope it rocks you. Like it did for my wife and I when we went to Bethlehem. We got to the church where that was built on the site where legend has it, Jesus was born, where his manger actually sat. Pretty cool when you think about it. And I know the cynic would say, and I grew up on the north side of Chicago. There's a little bit of that in me, the skeptic anyway. Say, well, come on. There are no GPS coordinates in the Bible. How do we know that this is the exact place where Jesus was born? We don't. But I'm telling you, it's a little town of Bethlehem. That carol's right. <laughs> You're no more than a few hundred yards away from where Jesus was born, almost wherever you are. On this little sleepy hillside town, the city of David. And so I'm going into the church where our Palestinian guide leads us in. That's her over on the very left edge of the screen. She's about five foot three, just for reference. And so the way you get into this church, where legend has it, Jesus was born on the site the church was built, you have to literally humble yourself. You have to bend down to get in the building through this entrance called the door of humility. It's perfect. But we live in a dark world, so dark that she wasn't our tour guide the rest of the trip. We had an Israeli tour guide. And he drove us on this day we were going to Bethlehem down a highway, and then he stopped. And then she was driving in her car, and she stopped about... 75 yards away from his car and they wouldn't get any closer to each other because he's Israeli and she's Palestinian. That's the world we live in. And he wasn't welcome to take us into Bethlehem, which is occupied by the Palestinians, in order to show us around. It had to be a Palestinian guy. And it goes vice versa, just so you know. And so he said, you have to get out of the car. And we walked down the highway and we got into her car. And she was wonderful and lovely and a Christian. And she led us right into Bethlehem and showed us the way. And when I got there to the site where Jesus legend has it was born, I was overwhelmed. Because it hit me 
in a very profound way (laughs) that the God of creation of this whole entire universe with all of the majesty and the glory and the power that consists in that, who spoke creation into existence by saying, let there be light, sent his light in the person of Jesus Christ into this world for you, for all the people who were there, for all the people of all generations of all time, for me. I'm just one blind beggar tonight telling other blind beggars where to get some good food this Christmas. Open the gift. It will absolutely transform you. And if it hasn't, you've missed the best part. It just means you haven't really opened this gift. You've got it like half open or just a little peek into it or, or you've got it still wrapped up and closed. You can go to church your whole life and still leave it wrapped up. Open up the gift. Because this light is going to wipe out the darkness. Ah, let me put that in a little bit more of a, of a, of a, of a kind of a blunt way. The darkness will still be there. But because you're basking in the glow of an eternal light, it puts the darkness in its temporary perspective. You see it for what it is. I got issues. I've got challenges. We all do. We're human. We live in a dark, fallen world. Collectively, we've got a ton of stuff going on. But the light God gives us, this gift of his light, Jesus Christ, is permanent. It's eternal. And it puts all the darkness in a new perspective. It shows us just how big, or actually to put it more, more honestly, how small it really is relative to eternity. The stuff we're up against right now, it will not last. Jesus Christ absolutely will. Now what do you really want for Christmas? Stuff that's going to get boring and fade and you're going to put on a shelf someday? Or something deeper? Something better? A light that shines brighter. So this paralamp, it shines and it breaks through for Mary and Joseph first and then the shepherds and then the magi and the prophets and then to people even like me. But here's the thing. You don't have to go to the Holy Land to experience it. You don't have to climb a ladder up to God in order to get there. God brings his light to you right here and right now. Hundreds, if not thousands of times, I felt the same thing here at Lutheran Church of Hope that I felt on my knees in that church in Bethlehem. The presence of God and his light for my darkness. Which is another way of simply saying God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave you. Everyone say gave. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. You don't get it by being super religious or super moral. You become religious and you start living a new life because of the gift. Not to earn the gift. That's grace. We live in a world of darkness where winter's darkness is cold and it creeps in and it envelops us and and gray days give way to pitch dark nights. And cynicism rises up because darkness has no mercy and it has no grace. Into that world comes the light of God's love for you. Open it up. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is my prayer for you. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given. Huh. 
Imagine your life with confident hope. Imagine your life with untouchable joy. Imagine your life with a peace that passes all human understanding, knowing that the creator of the universe made you and loves you. That light is no small thing. It changes everything. Open the gift, soak it up, and soak up this beautiful experience uh, depicting God's light coming down from heaven for us. The darkness is real, but so is the light. Merry Christmas. You can feel the winter's darkness creeping in. Gray days give way to pitch black nights. The bitter cynicism of a weary world overshadows your soul. Darkness has no mercy. It has no grace. But that's what you've chosen. Your streets are lined with violence, and your children can find no peace. Lord have mercy. I have nothing left. Save me from my pain. Help me. Free me. God save me. So here I stand. A fallen world below. A world looking for a savior. And I heard your cries. So I sent my son. My only son. My perfect son. Light is coming. He is coming. Take a moment and be grateful for 
gift is love and it's here for you symbolized by this light that you're about to receive with your candles help the kids around you uh, just you know to reduce the risk of fire hazards but I hope you also notice this that the light comes from the manger through God's heavenly messengers the angels and they light the advent wreath which we've been waiting for for four weeks finally the Christ candle at the center of every advent wreath is is lit on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and then that light goes out. All of our lights go out from that single candle of Jesus Christ to in every direction is a peri lamp. It's not just from one angel up here, but the other angels run back to the backstages and the lights go out from there too. The light from heaven, the light from this Jesus goes out to the world and meets you right where you are. It finds you right where you are. And as the angels run to the back, the lamps above follow them. And so it is with the light of God's love. It follows until it finds you. And when it finds you, well, that changes everything. This light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Can never extinguish it. Now your joy is untouchable. Now your peace is a peace that passes all human understanding. Now you walk with a confident hope. Now you know that you know that you're not only created by a God, but you're loved by this God. For God so loved the world that he gave you, his one and only son. Open the gift so that if you just believe in him, you will have new and everlasting life now and forever. We'll sing Silent Night by Candlelight as this is our tradition on Christmas Eve, but it's more than a tradition. It's an opportunity for you to open your heart, and I hope you will. It'll start with Mary singing from the manger scene, the first verse about the cold and the dark and the winter. And then the light starts to break through as we sing Silent Night together. Soak it up. It's God's gift to you.
extinguish your candles, but may the light of God's love forever shine for you. And it does. God's light for you. A light the darkness can never extinguish.